Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest vodcast. This is going to be a two-parter, and this is a talk I gave at our course in Las Vegas several weeks ago. And if you missed that, you can hear it now, but you should have been in our course, and we're going to be coming back to you soon in February and uh, May 2019. But this is, um, I guess, a question, can you improve your practice, your radiology practice? And this means, what can you do better for yourself, your staff, and your patients? And in trying to figure out how to improve your practice, there are many ways of thinking about it. You can, of course, have experts who are in radiology at other departments or institutions kind of tell you what you should be doing, um, but they probably don't do it themselves. You're going to have people from other departments or from administration kind of telling you stuff, which is something they read in a textbook. You can have outside experts who get paid a lot of money to consult to tell you what you should do but probably can't do because they really don't understand how your practice is because they'll always come and tell you you're overstaffed, you're underworked, and you need to be more efficient, and uh, basically ends up not being the case. But what I thought was what you need to do is really look at successful people outside of radiology. At the end of the day, the truth is that people who do well can do well in almost anything. Steve Jobs ran Apple Computer and changed the face of computing, he could run a hospital and do it very well, very efficiently. Ed Cavill ran Pixar, Jensen Wang at NVIDIA, uh, Tim Cook at Apple, you name the people, Bill Gates. You think Bill Gates cannot run your radiology department? You think Bill Gates cannot run your hospital and probably do it better than people who are doing it now? I doubt that's the case. So really successful people. And the other thing I thought about was that when you have people outside of your hospital and your department and outside of medicine, people do not get so stressed out by them that they feel they're, they're insecure. You actually will pay attention and listen because they are telling you their stories and what you're trying to do is learn from them. And again, those other experts end up being the blind leading the blind and we don't want that. So you want people who are thinking differently you want people who are successful who force you to think differently, and you want people who are going to take you out of your comfort zone. So we started this series about five years ago, and who were the speakers? They were friends of mine, and I have a few friends, but, uh, though people really don't believe that. Then people who were friends of the people who spoke, friends of friends, or pe people who were recommended by my friends, and then friends of my daughter, so Whitney's friends. And so we started, I'll show you an amazing list of people. The first year, Bill Phillips had the privilege of being our first person. He was the editor of Men's Health magazine. We had Paul Greenberg, who's been back twice, who just has run a number of companies, just has tremendous vision. Cindy Wolf, who runs one of the most successful restaurants in Baltimore, but more importantly, understands better than anybody the customer experience. Eric Becker helped found Sylvan Learning Center, is an incredible venture capitalist. Uh, Whitney Fishman, small relationship there who runs strategies and expert on social media at Capmel, who you've heard of runs is the president of Pixar and Disney and Horst Schultes who was the chairman for many years for more than two decades of the Risk Carlton. Our next speaker series we had Bill Kerwin who is the Chancellor of the University of Maryland, Keith Grossman, amazing guy at um, who's at Bloomberg, Mia Tanari who ran 
Tay Towers, who does a lot of the uh, different uh, tours, whether it was the Pope visiting the U.S. or it was uh, Shania Twain doing a tour across the U.S. We had Bill Brody, president of Hopkins Salk Institute, Jensen Wang, the co-founder and CEO of NVIDIA. We had Tina Wells, actually twice, CEO and founder of Buzz Marketing Group, a true expert on social media and the millennial type generations and all the generations. Marla Kaplowitz uh, from MEC, Freeman Hrabowski, the president of UMBC. The next year we had Tina Spears, Trina Spears rather, who founded FIGS and Jenny Abramson for Rethink Impact, the largest women-run venture capitalist uh, uh, capital company in the world, Marissa Freeman from HP and Christy Tanner from CBS, Elias Zahuni from Sanofi, formerly from the NIH, and Hopkins and Steve Gipstein from Apple, to the past year where we had Jen Jeremy Snepper from New York Code Academy and Paul Greenberg and Kimberly Powell from NVIDIA, Brian King, the amazing leader at Marriott, and Tina Wells, Reed Jobs, Director of Health at Emerson Collective, and Gerald Lamb from IEX Group. And this year, we're on track for another amazing group. We had David Abitsky, who was here a few months ago, from Amazon, the Chief Evangelist from Alexa, just amazing, and Keith Grossman, and Ella Kaplan, and Eric Becker, and then we have a few other people who are scheduled, which we hope to fill you in about. But so it's a tremendous series. We do publish an article in JACR on each of the speakers. And if you want to read more about each of the speakers, what they said, and then how we translated what they said into how we practice, just go to JACR, do a search, and there's 20 plus articles. Now, we've had about 30 speakers now. And are there themes from each of the speakers? Again, the speakers did not speak to each other, but you know, at the end of the day, there are themes that we recognized. And some of the themes are, you need to actively manage the experience of your customers, your patients. You just can't assume things are going right. It needs to be active engagement. You need to set expectations for your staff at all levels from the physicians, to the technologists, to the clerks, to the transports, to the administrators. And you need to enforce your expectations. You need to walk the walk and talk the talk. So what I'm going to try to do with you is share with you some of the individual people and some of the things I learned. And because we have limited time, I can't go through every speaker. But if I was really going to do it right, I would go speaker by speaker because everyone told us lots of information. But let's do a few. We had Horst Schultes, who, as I mentioned, was the head of the Ritz-Carlton, won a number of awards, has a unique way of thinking about things and about people. And he was clear that whether you're in the hospital business or the hotel business, it's all the same. And he said, whether you're in the auto business, no matter what business you're in, all too often people ignore my advice by saying our industry is different and what you have to teach me doesn't hold true. Well, let me assure you that our industries are not so different. We share the primary goal of serving the customer. Your department may be composed of some of the best physicians in the world, and you may know more about medicine than some of your competitors, but that doesn't necessarily matter. And he's right. If you don't understand how to optimize service for your customers, all the medical knowledge in the world will not be sufficient for your business to succeed. There are many hospitals, and you know them, that you say, man, I wouldn't go there at all. 
but they're full because they understand the patient and they make the patients feel good. Horschulte went on to say, in my experience, there are three things customers expect from any business, timely service, a good product, and people who treat me well and are nice to me. Okay? And think about that. He's right. Let's assume for a moment that your department institution have a good product. Great physicians and nurses and patients can expect great outcomes. Unfortunately, the general public may not always have enough medical knowledge to recognize that you're doing a good job. It is timely service in the way in which people interact with them that come to define their expectations of you and their care. Patients don't know your infection rate, or maybe now they're learning better. They don't know about Dr. Cameron and Dr. Wolfgang and etc., etc. And Horst goes on to say, we found that a, a wait any longer than a couple of minutes is enough to create a negative perception of your organization in the customer's mind. Unfortunately, long wait times seem to be common in many hospitals. Why? The last people who should be kept waiting are sick patients who are scared and anxious, and he's 100% right. When one of his uh, followers, I guess Brian King, followed uh, Horst Schultes, and he's at uh, Marriott, and we'll speak about him later, but he made the point that, and he asked, why in the hospital do we have waiting rooms? Who came up with the dumb idea of calling something a waiting room? People hate to wait. And that, think about yourself. If you're on hold for more than a few seconds, you hang up. If you're online for more than a few seconds, you get pissed off. If I'm online in the cafeteria, I don't particularly like it. And so, how do you create an environment in which our customers are given timely, satisfactory, and courteous service? You have to hire the right people and give them a chance to work in an environment of belonging and purpose. And that's the point he made. It's all in the hiring. I hire my employees as human beings to join us and be part of us. I want them to be part of the vision and dream of our company. And I want them to gain happiness from being part of a team that creates excellence. Okay? And he made the point that you think at Hopkins or Maryland where there's we have local people and perhaps they're not as well trained and maybe they don't have the social manners. Well, he said, I opened hotels in 70 cities. I go with three people. The issue is not the people in Baltimore. It's your managers who are bad at hiring and bad at training. I have discovered over the years that success of the team and individual employees is contingent on having your organization filled with leaders rather than managers. I'll repeat that, leaders rather than managers. Leaders give no excuses. They exude positivity, optimism, and drive, and that filters down to every member of the organization. Managers, on the other hand, are concerned with covering up their own lack of drive and ambition with excuses. Finding leaders is not easy, but I've managed to gradually fill up my organization with leaders rather than managers, and that has contributed toward my employees being happy and being placed in positions where they can succeed. Hiring the right people is the key to success and should be a top priority. And everything Horst Schulte says is 100% true. And we all know that. How often do we hire people that we shouldn't hire just to fill a position? The key is getting good people, training, retraining, and holding people responsible. To follow that, I picked Brian King. And they were at Hopkins about five years apart. And Brian is now one of the leaders at Marriott. He designs the customer experience. It's a wonderful article. When he spoke at Hopkins, Dr. Cameron, who said he's been at Hopkins for 60 years, 
thought this might have been the best talk he ever heard, and he said that to the audience after Brian spoke. And Brian was looking at where things are and where things are going. With the recent acceleration in technology, it is imperative that companies be nimble and react quickly to embrace transformational changes. In the end, all of us want to serve our guests or our patients with the utmost care, and we need to anticipate their needs in order to accomplish that. With the rapidly changing landscape and digital technology, both hospitality and healthcare industries need to take bold steps to make technology an integral part of why our guests or patients choose us. Very, very important. This pervasive connectivity allows data collection, opening the possibility of applying artificial intelligence to predictive analytics to enable improved anticipation of customer needs and a better customer experience. These principles have important implications for any digital strategy, whether it be hospitality or healthcare. He talked about this omni-channel functionality, that is maintaining functionality across platforms, become increasing important in healthcare. And so whether you're talking about scheduling, disseminating information, instructions, training, it's all one channel and needs to be handled in the same way. We want to make the agent of the future more predictive and to make the guest interaction as seamless as possible. We're working on a means to provide pertinent customer data, which we need to have permission from our customers to use, to the right agent at the right time, facilitating customer choices, and potentially delighting customers with the kind of extraordinary service that creates long-term value. I'll repeat that extraordinary service that creates long-term value. For example, customers can tell us their room type in advance, high floor, they want a king bed, a queen bed, not to have to repeat that information every time they interact across our channels. Furthermore, we're working to free up our customer service teams from tasks that can be automated so they can focus on creating transformative and unique experience for our guests. You can see what Brian is saying is we need to use technology. We can't be doing the same things the same way we did them before. Just as in the hospitality industry, patients' expectations when interacting with radiology are likely to involve or evolve to expect omni-channel functionality, scheduling, rescheduling, asking questions, obtaining results, and other interactions should be made available across platforms and the experience should be seamless regardless how the functionality is accessed. To keep up with the changing customer expectations for other industries, radiology will need to gradually abandon the model in which rooms of schedules are waiting for phone calls from patients and will need to shift as many services as possible to online resources with this omni-channel functionality. Now people will say that, well, if you have high tech, it's not going to be very user-friendly. Well, his thing is high-tech can be high-touch. Just as in the hospitality industry, the coming shift of radiology resources to a digital technology and the increasing role that Internet platforms will play in many aspects of the patient interaction doesn't mean that healthcare has to be impersonal. Indeed, having technology handle tests like scheduling and having algorithms available to answer relatively simple questions will free those who work in healthcare 
to provide higher value to patients. For example, instead of a radiologist answering a question about patient preparation for an upcoming imaging test, the radiologist may now have time to consult with the patient about the implications of the imaging study results once the study is done. Alexa can answer all those imaging questions. Let Alexa do it. Let Google Health do it. Don't be wasting your time on something that you don't to be, to be doing. So again, very, very important. Now following that up was Marla Kaplowitz. Marla has been very successful across the industry she works in, which is um, a lot of the technology related to marketing and strategies for company. But her thing is about happiness, that you need to develop a strong workforce. Again, think about what Horst Schulte says. The best leaders and executives have been able to create work cultures that inspire both clients and their company employees. They have the strength as leaders to drive the difficult changes needed to create those positive work cultures. Over the years, having seen both successful and unsuccessful businesses, I have become a strong believer that in order for your company to be successful, your employees must be happy, they must believe in the company and its products, and they must be willing to put their clients first. Marla goes on to say, the success of any company starts with caring about your people, products, and clients. And of the three, I would argue that focusing on the happiness of your employees may actually be the most important thing for the long-term sustainability of your business. Without happy employees, it is difficult to maintain happy clients, and no matter how good your product is. And I remember the dean asked the question, he heard a talk which says patients first, and you always want to say patients first because it sounds better. But the reality is if your employees are unhappy, the patients are not going to be treated well. So you can say treat the patients well, but bad employees will not. The core of a successful company lies in a happy, motivated workforce that does not feel unduly stressed or burdened. While many companies put a lot of emphasis on attracting the best talent, it is my view that this alone is not sufficient as companies must put an equal emphasis on creating a high-performance workplace that allows those employees to maximize their potential. Over the course of our experience, we have come away with five lessons. Happiness is a choice rather than something that one is born with, and you can teach happiness. Happiness requires the ability to balance one's personal and public lives. Feeling gratitude for the good things in one's lives can help suppress many of the negative emotions that can hinder happiness and success. Nurturing positive relationships and taking the time to acknowledge and express gratitude for the effort of others can help one feel better about oneself. And learning optimism can help make people and businesses more successful. So her point is you need to manage this. You can't just assume people are going to do the right thing or they're happy. You need to manage. We must not forget that the happiness of all our employees is critical to a practice's success, not simply the happiness of the physicians alone. Support staff members, including nurses, receptionists, and technologists, are much more likely to directly interact with our patients. And if we have not taken the effort to create a positive, happy work, work culture for these employees, it is unlikely they will be positive and engaging around our patients and businesses more successful. So you can see, I just did three people, but you can see the importance of taking care of the employees, hiring right, training, retraining, setting expectations. You could think again about these entire experience that all three of them uh, spoke about.
So now let's go and again look at that hospitality business, which is a great place to learn, but also let's look at how they do the patient experience. And let's do this with Nick Beyer. But we've done our time on this first lecture, so let's come back. Let's take a 10 minute break and we'll start again. See you in a few minutes. Bye.